Good evening, the BAT community. Uh, thank you, as always, for staying involved. Thank you for staying engaged. Uh, today's interviewee is someone I knew for a very, very long time. Uh, I want to say uh, since he's been in elementary school, but here's going to be the irony of today's interview. This young man is now a full-grown married and Dr. John uh, so I'm going to get all into your story. Uh, today's guest that we have is, is Kenneth John, and I'm going to be talking to him about uh, anesthesi uh, uh, anesthesiology, uh, how you got into uh, uh, everything uh, in your medical field, as well as your passion that I know you have outside of uh, your actual work as well. So first things first, Dr. Ken Dog, Dr. Ken, I really just want to say thank you uh, for coming on the back community. And man, I can't wait to dive into your story. Thank you so much, Tyrell. It's an honor to be here. Um, like I told you before, my parents say hello, and you've always been like an adopted son in their family. So this is an awesome experience for me. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And yeah, for, for those who uh, don't know off, uh, off uh, what is it? For those who may not know, uh, his parents uh, were very instrumental uh, in my development as well, especially uh, uh, his mom. Uh, so shout out to your mother. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I love your mother like another another family member. And um, uh, uh, coming back uh, to Albany High for all of those years to speak to speak to her classes after I graduated was was one of the highlights of my life. So shout out to your mother, and uh, we definitely <laughs> gonna do it soon. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I said, man, uh, this is uh, uh, this is an interview that uh, touches home because, like I said, man, I got a chance to uh, 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 I got a chance um, externally uh, to watch uh, to watch some of your growth. And I really just want to start off by saying I am absolutely proud of you. Uh, congratulations you. On, on on marriage. Congratulations on a career and congratulations on finding a passion. It is very, very hard to have all those three things intact. Uh, so, so, so shout out to you on that one, uh, Ken. I really, uh, I really want to say uh, congratulations to you and, and, and hats off to you for, for getting that together thus far. And you still got so much more to do. But yeah. Thank you, man. Life's, life's been good and I've definitely been blessed for sure. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, listen, man, I'm going to hit you with your first official question. We're going to get right into it. Um, I know about you. Uh, I'm sure that there's plenty of people uh, out there that know about you. And I know you got a crazy following because as soon as I put uh, our picture out there that we were going to be doing an interview, all your friends and buddies uh, uh, joined in uh, 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 to like it. So, but what I wanted to do is give you the opportunity to tell the back community, bringing all communities knowledge more about you. Uh, uh, so that's my first official question for you. What kind of work do you do? And here's your opportunity to tell the back community more about you, Ken. Sure. So I'm currently in the stage of my career where I'm a resident. So I'm training to be an anesthesiologist. Um, that path is four years long. So I did my first year as an intern in medicine. And then now I'm in my third year of anesthesia. So I'll be graduating this June um, with my anesthesia residency. And then I'll be going on to become an uh, ICU fellow. Uh, I'll be doing that in Boston. Nice, uh, nice. So that's pretty much where I'm at in my career. And then all of this other stuff I've kind of started like eight months ago. Um, I started in January of 2022. So I always had like a benchmark to look back to. Um, mm -hmm. So I could see moments like this where I could say like, okay, I've been doing it for this long and now I've hit this milestone in this journey. Um, but this is something that I've sort of added to my career and just sort of like day-to-day -day life to get a little bit more out of my job and a little bit more like uh, feeling good about what I'm doing. Hmm. Oh, oh, well, well, listen, you can't, you can't just, uh, 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 what is it, tiptoe around it. Please tell me the name of it. Uh, I know it, but, uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching your videos. I enjoy watching your explanation about it, but I can tell that it's something that you're passionate about. And obviously, me as a viewer, uh, I'm not going to know all of the terminology. I'm not going to know most of the subject matter you're talking about, but I can see your passion in it. So uh, please, here's your opportunity. To, to deliver yeah. it on the live screen about uh, about um, uh, your platform. Yeah, so the platform is Keywords by Kenny. That's Keywords x Kenny. Um, I created a website not too long ago. And the concept of keywords sort of came about from um, our residency program. We have 
uh, sort of twice a week, these lectures that are called keyword lectures. Um, and we go over different topics uh, revolving around anesthesiology. And so I kind of saw um, a little catchy name there where I could say keywords by Kenny. Um, and then a way that I can sort of introduce these mini lectures or mini topics for people who are either interested in going into anesthesia or are in anesthesia or work with anesthesia providers. Um, a lot of my followers are either med students, anesthesia residents, some of the nurses that I work with. Um, as anesthesiologists, we work with a lot of different specialties, whether they're surgeons, um, nurses in the pre-op area, nurses in the PACU area, in the ICU. So there's a lot of different fields who interact with anesthesia. And so I try and make the information that I provide very broad um, and not too like complex <laughs> lingo or language or vocabulary. It was funny on vacation, my brother-in-law actually gave me a hard time about it. And he was like, sometimes I just like your videos to support you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to find that balance of making it very approachable, but also to the level of someone in my field would need to really understand the uh, knowledge that we're working with and the information that we have at our disposal. Um, I, I think we're also at an interesting time where people aren't, or like students aren't really reading textbooks anymore. And a lot of this generation is going to online resources. Um, and so I'm kind of finding myself in a time where I could be part of that catalyst to sort of mm -hmm. transform this written information into online information making it more digestible for people who are so used to swiping up on their phone and don't have much time to like sit around and watch like a 10 minute or 30 minute video um, and just be able to introduce it to their daily lives. So we're all getting smarter and more confident each day. Listen, I, I think, uh, I think that is the way to go. I think that is staying ahead of the curve. Uh, and, and also just, just, what is it? Uh, um, preparing yourself or um, positioning yourself with the time. So if you've already identified that, you know, most people are moving away from textbooks, but, you know, every we can do almost anything on the phone. So, and it's exactly. just like, yeah. you know, you can buy an entire house on the phone and not have to go into a, a building anymore. So uh, you can do everything on your phone. So to be able to take your content and, 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 and put it together in a deliverable way. And I'm not going to go uh, uh, the full off link and say the same thing your brother-in-law said, because I'm a nerd at heart and I generally be looking at it and I'd be like, damn, what is he talking about? I'm going to get it. <laughs> Let me go back and go research this. So um, I'm, I'm reading a book and as I'm reading a book right now, it makes me think about you. Um, uh, it's called um, Lost Connections. But it's by a gentleman by the name of uh, Jahari, Jahani, Jahari Hansen. I gotta grab it. I'm, I'm gonna mess it all up. But it's it, it talks about um, it talks about medicine a lot, right? And every time I'm I'm thinking about it, I think about the medical field now, and and how uh, 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 how comfortable we are with diagnosing everything, and everything has a diagnosis for it now, and there's always a medical treatment for it. But when I see how passionate uh, you are about what you're doing, it makes me want to know. So, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you don't got to change it too much because I, I like <laughs> it and, and, and you make it and you make it pretty creative. So, you thank know. you. Thanks. Right. But but why uh, uh, why the medical field? Uh, what was it about uh, uh, anesthesiology that uh, uh, that drew you? Um, uh, how did you decide to be an anesthesiologist? Sure. Yeah, I'm going to back. I'm going to. Uh, go back a little bit to like when I was in college and that's really where my medical career started. Um, so when I was finishing up my freshman year at University of Vermont, I was looking for some way to kind of stay in the Burlington area for like a job, um, just because Burlington's an awesome place to live, especially in the summertime. It's beautiful there. Um, and so one of my thoughts was maybe working for a fire department. Um, and so I ended up getting hooked up with UVM Rescue, which was the ambulance squad for the college area. Um, as well as the surrounding like South Burlington, Burlington area. Um, and so that was my first introduction to like the medical field. So I did EMS for five years um, all throughout college and then one extra year after college. Ended up working in the emergency room as a tech as well. Um, and then so that's kind of where I got interested in medicine. And then so the next logical step for me 
um, after working in the ED, working with physicians, um, I really wanted to further my career. And so that's when I went on to medical school. Going into medical school, emergency medicine was kind of the only real background of medicine I had. And so I kind of always favored that specialty and I always saw myself doing that in the future. Um, but it wasn't until one of my closest friends on UVM Rescue, Danny Leahy, had gone into anesthesiology and I was like, she's a smart girl. And if she's going into anesthesiology, I should check this field out. <laughs> um, and so through chatting with her and sort of experiencing like the rotation on my own, I was like, this is a very cool field. Um, I had never really been in an operating room before. Um, I'd got my tonsils taken out as a kid, but like never really had too much other time in operating room. Um, but I love that environment. It's a very collegial environment. There's a lot of teamwork that goes on. Um, between the nurses, the surgeon, the anesthesia team, um, even the techs that are there. It's a lot of communication back and forth, all centered around the patient, and it's usually one patient at a time. Um, a lot of the patients will either be healthy and come in for elective procedures, um, but then you also have the traumas and the really sick patients who come in. Um, and so there's a big spectrum of what you can expect in your day. Um, and so I like that aspect about this job as well. Um, you work with your hands a ton. So that was something I did a lot as an EMT doing IVs, um, airway things. And so anesthesia was only that much further along with that. So now I'm intubating every day, putting IVs, other sort of catheters in all the time. Um, so constantly working with my hands, drawing up my own medications, delivering my own medications. Um, that's another big difference I would say in anesthesia compared to other medicine is you sort of have this instant gratification of like, okay, I recognize a problem in the operating room and I can create a differential diagnosis in my head of what I think is going on. And I can instantaneously deliver medication and see what the results are. Um, sometimes if you're doing more like outpatient stuff, it's more of a long-term relationship with a patient. Um, so I like the immediate feedback aspect of anesthesia. Um, and then sort of the next logical step I took in my career was then applying for a critical care fellowship. Um, and so that was sort of a big, um, sort of a big internal conflict I had within myself because the market right now for anesthesia is really good. There's a lot of older docs who are retiring right now and salaries are going up for anesthesia. And this would be extending my career one year further. Um, mm -hmm. But I've always sort of had a passion for being in the ICU. Um, I love the relationship that you make with patients going through probably the toughest time ever in their lives, being able to comfort families in moments like that. Um, and I couldn't really see my, the rest of my career missing that when I had an opportunity to go and achieve that. Um, so that's why deep down in my gut, I had to turn away the money and sacrifice one more year of training um, to ultimately be really satisfied with who I was going to be as a physician and what my career was ultimately going to look like. Love it. I love it. Uh, listen, well, the, uh, you know, you, you don't hear that too often, especially this day and age, uh, uh, turning down the money, whether you're a, a professional athlete or uh, in your case, a, a physician, you know, it's a, you, you, don't, you don't turn down the money, you don't leave it on the table. But um, there is a lot to uh, there is a lot to be said about uh, finding your authenticity, finding your passion uh, so that that way, you know, when you get up in the mirror every day, uh, you're satisfied with the person that is looking back at you. So shout out to you for making a decision uh, that is going to not only help you financially uh, uh, stabilize yourself in your career, but also passionate wise, be able to quench that thirst to do something that you actually uh, uh, care about. So congratulations, man. That was, that was, that, Thank that, you. That, that was dope. Uh, for, for, those, for those who maybe uh, have never uh, uh, utilized um, anesthesiologists, can you give me some examples of, of uh, instances where uh, you might have to put somebody under? Just This is mm -hmm. just for people who might not know anything. I've had surgery several times. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, so I, I have been uh, a recipient uh, sure. of it, but uh, can, uh, if you could just give me a, a, give me a few examples of, uh, yeah. of where it's used. Yeah. So I'll start with maybe the most basic um, example. Um, so let's say you have knee arthritis and you're going to get a knee replacement. 
Um, so a typical day in one of our hospitals when we're working in one of those ORs is you'll be waiting in the pre-op area. Um, the nurse will do their intake, kind of ask you about your medical history. Um, and then typically the next person you'll meet is the anesthesia provider. Um, we'll go through your medical history as well. Typically we've looked up your uh, medical chart on like the EMR. Um, so we already have a good idea, but we like to just clarify certain things like allergies, previous anesthesia experiences. Um, one of the first things we'll do in that pre-op area start an IV, um, and that's how we'll deliver medicine for you. Uh, for most joint replacements like knees and hips, we actually do spinal uh, anesthesia. So we'll do an injection in the back that makes you numb from your uh, waist down. Um, and then we give you medicine through your IV to basically keep you asleep and keep you comfortable so you're not hearing all the drilling and banging around going on. Mm -hmm. um, then the next thing uh, we'll do is basically wake you up, bring you to the PACU area, which stands for post-anesthesia care unit. Um, mm -hmm. There we'll write orders to help with nausea, pain after the procedure. Um, and then typically a patient like that will go home the same day. Um, and then sort of the opposite end of the spectrum would be someone coming in for like emergency surgery. Um, so let's say you had appendicitis, you come in through the ER mm. and general surgery says we need to take you to um, the OR right away. Um, so you'll still meet the anesthesiologist. Um, we'll still go over your medical history. Um, the biggest difference there is sort of the way we put you to sleep. Um, so anyone who comes in for emergency surgery will get a breathing tube. Uh, mm -hmm. That's because they don't have the length of time to be NPO, which means like not eating anything. And mm -hmm. so one of our biggest concerns is food in the stomach. And when we put patients to sleep, it's a very vulnerable time for them to vomit. And so, mm -hmm. especially if, if you have like an infection in the belly, um, that's sort of irritating that area. Um, and so if someone were to vomit and then have that go down their lungs, that could be a really traumatic experience. Um, so that's why I put a breathing tube in and just secure the airway. Um, so that's what we would call general anesthesia. And then the same sort of rules apply, keep you asleep during the surgery, give you medicine for pain as well as nausea, wake you up at the end, take that breathing tube out, and then either bring you to an ICU or the PACU. Okay. Okay. All right. And it's, it's too funny. I'm over here feeling guilty because uh, uh, halfway through uh, what you were just explaining, right, I'm over here smiling. But yet you're talking about, you know, me having to put a breathing tube down uh, uh, someone's throat because they may potentially vomit. But I was smiling because I was so excited to, 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 to hear you clearly articulate uh, your work and your passion. And then I was like, Tyrell, stop smiling because, you know, this is a serious thing. But I was just like, oh, I, I couldn't stop it. But, um, it's okay. but yeah, and you, you know, the, the one instance that stands out to me uh, for uh, anesthesia is uh, the epidural. Because uh, when you mentioned the, uh, uh, the shot in the back, and I know that is a very common practice for a lot of women uh, to have during pregnancy, so much that it's a movement on whether or not you should get the epidural shot, but that is a shot that is administered by an anesthesiologist, correct? Correct, yes. All right, that, that's what yeah. I was thinking of when I was like, you know, I have my examples uh, in my head. You know, I know uh, the dentist uh, has put uh, put me to sleep and, and I, I don't know how strong it was, but I remember saying, I'm not going to sleep that easy. And the, and the guy was just like, he said, all right, Tyrell, just count back to, just count back to, uh, count back from 10. And by the time uh, I got to seven, it was like lights out. Yeah, yeah. Every every now and then, I get those people who are like, "I'm gonna fight it. I'm gonna fight it." And the <laughs> the drugs always win, man. I'll tell you, the drugs always win. <laughs> Let but me yeah, see. Epidural. Go ahead. Go ahead. Epidurals are definitely a part of our practice. Um, so within within our residency program, we rotate to a hospital called Women and Infants, um, and so we have specific OB rotations where we're just doing like epidurals, spinals for C-sections. Um, and so that's like a very focused rotation for us. Um, but then after residency, it's sort of built into your everyday practice. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I have another friend um, uh, who's also an anesthesiologist. So I was asking him some questions uh, prior to, and I know you mentioned being like in, uh, in the emergency room. And I think, I think they wanna say that he might've said that he was capped, he was doing around like 20 hours. Uh, because part of uh, part of his rotation was to 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 give him time uh, for all of the traumas that you guys have to to see and deal with. So it's not just you know what I mean um, 
uh, uh, routine things, but it's also being being available for emergencies. And I think that was part of the the built-in schedule. Uh, uh, so you have reduced hours for, for what it would seem like for me, but it also gives you time to find that balance for yourself to cope with everything that you guys have to see. Yeah, that sounds that sounds nice. I don't have that balance in my life yet, <laughs> but that, that sounds like a nice place to get to in my career. So I, I actually just got off a 24-hour shift um, and then kind of slept all day uh, today. But la- last night was was nuts, man. It was it was busy. You, you know, my mom, she, she, she'll text me like all night long when I'm on call and stuff. And like, I feel like twice last night, I was she, like randomly she texted me. I'm like, just dropped another patient off in the ICU. And it was just like bad thing after bad thing last night. I was like, oh, my God, this is miserable. Um, but it's part, part of the job. And I mean, it definitely it sounds like your friend has a nice career where he can like balance the trauma that comes with a job. Um, because there is definitely emotional weight and like traumatic experiences that you experience very frequently throughout the yeah. job. And he's been at it, I want to say, for maybe 15, 16 years. So, yeah, so that's yeah. probably it. OK. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take you away out of your normal uh, realm a little bit because I can only imagine uh, that uh, you speak about uh, uh, the medical field. Uh, uh, pretty often, but I also want to give uh, myself and the viewers an opportunity to get a chance to learn about Dr. Kim John a little bit more. So my uh, additional question for you is what part of the Capital District did you grow up in? Yeah, so I grew up in Albany. Uh, I was born in Albany Medical Center. Uh, like we were talking about before, my mom was a teacher at Albany High. My dad worked for the state of New York in Albany. Um, so I lived there until about um, I want to say fifth grade, and then my family moved to Del Mar, or the suburbs right outside of Albany, um, went to Bethlehem Central High School, um, and then after graduating there, went to University of Vermont for my undergrad career. Um, I think I mentioned before, I did four years there, stayed an extra year. My wife was in the year below me, so we were mm-hmm. kind of, I was waiting for her to graduate, um, and then it also gave me the time to apply for medical school at the same time. So then ended up going to Hershey, Pennsylvania, where I went to med school at Penn State. Um, did four years of med school there, had a blast, made a ton of friends. Um, and then now I'm in Providence, Rhode Island, doing my anesthesia residency. Nice, nice. And, 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 and shout out to your sister, too. I want to say uh, your sister and I took the LSAT the same day up at uh, U Albany. Uh, no kidding. Time period where I was, uh, 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 I thought that law school was going to be my avenue but uh uh-huh. yeah I, but we took it at the same day so yeah she, she's killing it she's actually doing like medical law right now and so it's funny when we go when we go home she's talking more like medical jargon than i am at like the dinner table she, nice. she likes she, she likes flexing in front of me i think <laughs> and it, in front of my mom that's right say so, listen man yeah. I, I i know kenny's job and my job so exactly yeah she's like i'm the older sibling i'm the i'm yeah. the better one obviously <laughs> listen man um uh a, a, a shout out shout out to both of you guys uh, uh, on the major accomplishment shout out to your parents uh for instilling uh uh the desire uh to pursue uh those paths in education uh, as a as a whole and and because I, I had your mom for four years uh, at the essential schools program and, and uh, she was always caring, always quiet, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so if, if, if you got her upset, you really, you really, you really deserved it. So, <laughs> but, yeah, so, uh, but uh, so I can only imagine sh- uh, uh, she she nurtured and uh, educated you guys uh, the same way. Uh, uh, as she did us. So uh, congratulations. Uh, absolutely. Let me see. Uh, uh, growing up either in Albany or in uh, uh, Bethlehem, uh, did you have a mentor growing up? Uh, if so, uh, uh, how was that mentor uh, instrumental in your development? Or if not, uh, what do you think the impacts would have been for you if you had a mentor? Um, so I can think of a few different people in my life. Um, during like my high school career, we were very involved in church. And so like youth group was like a very big, um, role for us. 
Um, so Sandra Allen and Ashley Dubois were two sort of youth group leaders. Um, and they always encouraged me to like take leadership roles within like the youth group. And that's actually where I met my wife, Lillian, was through these planning committees for putting together um, like different youth group events for kids all throughout the New York and Vermont area. Um, and so that was probably where I started to learn how to take initiative and sort of learning how to plan events. Um, and I feel like they're the ones who really put me off on like a good foot to like always strive to be a leader and like um, create a, a positive environment for others to be a part of. I like it. I like it. Shout out to uh, 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 Sandra Allen. I know her well as well, Miss Law Guardian. And I think she was also very instrumental for another young man that I mentored to dismiss. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. But yeah, yep. So, 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 so when you're throwing out the names that, oh yeah, I know him very well. So uh, deep roots, deep roots in Albany. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep roots. Yep. Yep. But when I, when I said it is oftentimes I think a lot of people, even adults overlook the opportunities that can come along with being mentored. And even at 38, you know, I still look for opportunities to be mentored by the right people. Right. And it's, it's very important. And whether it's on marriage, whether it's on real estate, whether it's on investments, you know, whether it's on writing, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I, I take the opportunities to be mentored. And I also look back uh, to my youth and just think about, you know, what mentorship looked like for me and uh, to see whether or not if you had a mentor and how that uh, uh, how that mentoring affected you as you were developing. Because I think that looking at the youth today, we can stand to, to get a lot more uh, mentoring opportunities and people not, not overlooking the um, all of the benefits that come along with uh, being mentored. So, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me see. Uh, this one is going to be very interesting because I think you touched, you touched on it already. Um, now, I know work itself can be stressful. Uh, but what about with identifying uh, goals for yourself? I know you're doing keywords by Kenny, uh, but um, do you find goals or, or setting goals stressful or motivating to you? Um, I would say motivating to me. Um, I'm not, I can't say I'm like a very anxious person. There are, there are definitely times in my life where I have gotten anxiety um, and like I can get worked up about a situation. But generally speaking, I feel like I'm pretty cool and collected. Um, and so having goals to focus on, I have found has made me very productive in my career, um, especially with this sort of side project I have going on with the Keywords by Kenny, because a lot of my day-to-day -day residency can be a little bit redundant. Like you sort of have big cases here and there where you have like, at my point now that I'm in my last year residency, I've done most of the average cases. So I can do majority of cases pretty cleanly and pretty smoothly. Um, so the difficult cases sort of come here and there. Um, but this, all the side project stuff has given me more of a purpose and more objectives or goals to really better myself. Um, knowing, like learning how, learning how to use social media. Like I didn't realize how old I was until I was asking my little sister for advice and she knew the answer like that. And I was like, I, I clearly am getting old and missing all of the social media knowledge. Um, but being able to educate myself on things like that, how to communicate with others who aren't in my field, um, I think that's a very important skill to obtain. Um, and I feel like just creating objectives like that will make me and anybody else a more well-rounded person um, instead of just sort of like focusing on, you know, the task at hand. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and don't feel bad because if you feel old, imagine, uh, imagine what I feel like. Uh, we, I literally was just my, uh, one of my nieces just started Spelman College in Atlanta. So I was just in Atlanta this, uh, this weekend and, uh, I got a chance to go on campus to, uh, to pick her up so we can go take her shopping. But, um, uh, I was like, in my mind, I felt like I was still, you know, the cool uncle. I felt like I was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in style, uh -huh. I got days on, I'm, I'm good. But then I was just like, man, I wonder if they're looking at me as like like the old, old guy. I was like, have, uh -huh. I, got, have I become the old, old guy? So it, it is what no, it man, is. You still, you still look young. You still got that young smile. Oh, well, thank good. you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>
Let me see. But yeah, and then my 12 year old, uh, he had some questions the other day about uh, editing. So, you know, I have a little bit of experience with editing, uh, uh, doing this platform. So I'm trying to tell him what my eye is for editing. He's like, no, dad, that's whack. Uh, you know, uh -huh. whack. Uh -huh. so it's like, no, nah, I'm only looking for this. I'm just like, all right, well, let me stop trying to impose because obviously your generation's got a different eye than, than what right. it is that or so you know but it's a good thing it's a good thing to make it to uh, uh to the tender age of 30 ken is that's is, right it only gets better so only gets better that's what i hear yeah only gets better let me see this is one of my favorite questions i like to ask everybody um if you were to define success how would you define success for you so i was actually just reading a sort of post slash memo about like six different ways you can define success. And I don't think I'm gonna remember all of them, but I'll probably remember the ones that mean the most to me. Um, so the, probably the most obvious one that people think about the most would be like financial success. I think there's a lot of people in our sort of like worlds like Elon Musk or like Mark Zuckerberg, who we all know their names because they seem successful because they have all this money. Um, that's not the most important one to me, but that's just something that I think, generally speaking, a lot of people would define success by. Um, I think one thing that I would find successful would be having a good family life, um, mm -hmm. being able to say that you are loved by people around you and that you have love for people around you. Um, and, you know, you're the same way as me. I consider my friends like family, like certain friends that I have in my life are very much family. Um, and it's just the love that you have for those people. Um, so I would say that's one aspect of success. Um, I would say being able to have pride in what you're doing in your career and feeling like you're making a difference in the world um, would be another way I would define success in my career. Um, and I would say medicine has the ability to sort of keep climbing the chain and sort of like become like an associate professor, assistant professor. And I guess the word for this would be like prestige. Um, so having some sort of prestige to your name or like when people say, you know, Kenny John has done this or that being able to like have pride that like you've done impactful work that other people have heard about, um, I would say would be a cool way to define success. I love it. I love it. I, love it. I, I, I will take it. Uh, has your definition of success changed over the years? Did you have one idea of what you thought success looked uh, looked like in, uh, uh, for uh, for the younger Kenny as opposed to uh, uh, today's Kenny at 30? Yeah, definitely. I think the most obvious one <laughs> was probably thinking that my success was only based on my journey and just like mm -hmm. what I was focused on. And then sort of like more recently in life, I've realized how important the people are around me and mm -hmm. I think that like, I, it's probably marriage that has really helped me realize that life is much more than just who you are. Um, and so bringing people along with me, I think means much more to success than just my own path. I love it. Now, I love that. I love the first answer, but I, I gotta, I gotta love the second one even better. <laughs> Shout out to marriage, because marriage honestly will force you to see things about yourself. It'll force you to see things about others and it'll force you to find a solution, right? Mm -hmm. Especially, you know what I mean, when, when the focus is on making it, uh, it'll force you to find a solution where oftentimes uh, if, if you're single, it's just like, well, I'll just move on. Uh, and marriage mm -hmm. forced you to find a solution. So I love what you just said, you know, it forces, it forced you to dig a little deeper uh, to have a more, um, um, all-encompass definition of the, uh, of success because there was nothing wrong with the first one but also just realizing that your success um is influential on somebody else's success and right. i think there was a saying i heard a while ago that said it's easy to create success for ourselves it's really really hard to create success for other people right mm -hmm. so you know mm -hmm. that's all Oh, how do you find, how do you help to cultivate success in other people? So I love your I love answer, man. Yeah, Thank good. you. Let me see. Uh, thinking, thinking of your younger self, Kenny, you know, the one who I used to smash and dash on the basketball court. 
uh, uh, first things first, can you still play ball? Can you still play basketball? So- so basketball, it's funny we were talking about this. Like basketball has been a huge part of my life up until the pandemic. So all throughout college, I was playing pickup ball. In med school, I played so much pickup ball. I was probably in the gym more than I was in the lecture hall because <laughs> mostly because our lectures were recorded online so I could watch it later. But like any of my med school friends who watch this will be smiling too because we were balling all the time, Monday through Friday. Yeah, actually we started playing Saturdays and Sundays too. Um, but then- <laughs> Once the pandemic hit, it was like, couldn't go to gyms anymore. Um, we ended up moving to Rhode Island. So I haven't really picked up with basketball since um, like the past couple of years, but it has always been like a huge part of like who I've been. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I figured, I figured I was going to throw in some basketball questions for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, you actually just made me think about, um, you know, how has COVID uh, affected uh um, the field of medicine uh, as a whole. I'm glad you. I'm glad you just said that. Cause, you know, I, I'm not even. I'm not even making the connection that yeah, we're still technically in a global pandemic. And how has that affected uh, your educational uh, process as you are going on your rotations or through med school? How has COVID affected the med, uh, medical industry? I think I was very lucky to be where I was when COVID hit. So I was in my intern year already. Um, and I had friends who were sort of like uh, either a year b- below me, like in med school or two years below me. Um, and so them finishing out their med school career, they missed their match day and their graduation because of COVID. So I feel like they missed sort of more milestone parts of their life, which was sad. Um, but I was sort of already in the work field and I kind of felt much more purposeful um, because I was already in the work field. Like I could I remember I was in the emergency room, like on my ED rotation when COVID happening was happening in March. And we were like seeing all these like new patients come in. And then like, I remember halfway through the rotation, they started limiting how many masks we could use. I started wearing the same mask for like days and days on end. Um, And it was like very surreal to just be like front row and center for like everyone figuring it out on the fly and just like, not knowing what the right answer was, but collectively trying to work towards the common goal of just treating these patients. Um, And then we moved to Rhode Island um, July of 2020. So it was really much like the pandemic was still going on. Um, And when I came to work, everyone wore masks the whole day. So like there was probably months went on where I didn't even know what people looked like at my job because people were in masks all day. And we didn't socialize outside of work because restaurants, bars, everything was closed down. People didn't feel comfortable going into other people's apartments yet. Um, so it was very much an isolating experience when we first moved to Rhode Island. Um, but over the course of that year, it seemed like the next summer things started to open up, um, got to learn my residents a little bit more. Our educational stuff is still a little bit hybrid. So some of it's on Zoom, some of it's in person. I think there's a lot of benefit that you can make with a hybrid system. I think there's certain educational things that you can definitely accomplish on Zoom where there's other sort of like simulation center or simulation labs or like hands-on exposures where we do that in person, which you obviously can't mimic over Zoom. Um, So I think that, I think Zoom has introduced a nice way to really utilize educational tools. Um, So our residency program is working towards perfecting that balance. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, it seems like things have sort of calmed down now in terms of like our patient load and all that, but there was definitely like very stressful times, Um, like coming home, my wife was teaching from home, but like just being Mm -hmm. concerned that we were intubating patients with COVID. So we were very much at risk for getting that aerosolized in our faces. Um, And obviously I don't want to be the one who comes home and brings it to my wife. Um, We're also one of the very first ones to get vaccinated um, January of 2021. Um, So that was a very cool experience to go through where you are sort of on the front lines of medicine and you really realize that when they're like, Hey, you guys are going to be the first ones to try this medicine that no one else has ever tried, (laughs) but we know you're getting exposed day after day after day. So if anyone needs it, you guys need it. Um, So that was a cool experience to be a part of. Um, But yeah, it's, it's been definitely a defining chapter of my medical career. Um, Yeah. I'll never wait, wait, wait. forget. I, I, I'm keeping you right there because yeah. the 
topic has has come up too much. It's come up in my own family. It's come up in my wife's family. Uh, it's it's all over social media. So what you just said, uh, Kenny, was that uh, uh, one, uh, obviously, uh, you were an essential worker. Two, you know, you were one of, uh, uh, as a physician, you were one of the uh, first to get the vaccine. And how has it been managing uh, uh, um, all of the hearsay about whether or not if you should vax or you shouldn't vax and uh, whether or not if there's uh, uh, scientific data behind it? How have you managed that um, being directly uh, uh, in the field and being someone who uh, obviously was one of the first uh, to receive the vaccine. How, how do you manage that? Does it bother you at all? I don't know. Uh, it just came to my mind to ask. Yeah, the, fir the first word that comes to my mind is definitely frustrating um, because it's, it's hard to go through this every day and have people who aren't going through it sort of inject their own opinions or what they consider facts about the situation. Um, and so when you hear people sort of falsifying information about the vaccine, um, and very impactful people who, you know, have thousands to ten thousands, hundred millions of listeners um, who can they can sway their opinions. It's very frustrating um, to sort of experience that when you know that this is something that could really save a lot of lives. Um, and even like within uh, maybe not my own family, but like friends and stuff like I would hear some of that stuff and it'd be hard conversations to have with them. And at the end of the day, I feel like one of the biggest lessons that has come out of the pandemic is that sometimes you're never going to change people's minds. And you can really like Google anything you want to sort of justify whatever opinion you have. And some of that was part of the influence of me even getting involved in social media was to have sort of a professional voice and sort of a voice of like, I have this background and this knowledge that I can share with people. Um, and I want to be involved in this sort of platform where there's other voices who might not be providing um, the right context or facts. Um, when I have this opportunity where I'm living it day to day, where I can share my experiences with others, um, I think that could be very impactful for someone who doesn't really, I, I don't want to say the word naive, but doesn't really like understand fully what the medical world is or what goes into a vaccine or what goes into a respiratory infection. Um, so I feel like I'm in a unique position to share my voice and share my experiences. Okay, I love that. I love it, and I I I know wholeheartedly you are. Um, yeah, and it's it's just been you know it's it's really nice uh, uh, to be able to hear it uh, from someone directly in the field, from someone who uh, 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 who has uh, taken the vaccine. Well, you know, I mean, one of the, uh, the like I said, you guys were uh, uh, some of the first people as essential workers to receive it. So because I'm glad you said it was frustrating because I'm not even in the medical field and it's frustrating for me you know, <laughs> trying to explain. So listen, you know, well, I'll take my chances with the vaccine. So, you know, I, everybody's got their own opinion. Google will tell you everything and then everybody yeah. has their own thing. So what? I'm glad what you said, you, you'll never get to a point of being able to satisfy everyone. And I think that that is a, uh, a very uh, healthy thing to learn because it's not just limited to obviously to that topic. It's, 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 it's universal. So you'll never be able to get everybody on one accord. You'll never be able to get everyone to be in total agreement and to be able to find comfort and space for that difference. You know, it took mm -hmm. me a long time to find comfort and indifference, where it was just mm -hmm. like, it's okay that, you know, Ken might think this, uh, 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 that he's better at me than basketball. You know, it's okay. <laughs> you know, but, you know, you put us on the basketball court, you know, you might see something different. It's okay. You know, That's before, right. be like, oh, if you didn't agree with what I agreed with, stay away from me. But now I've uh, matured enough to realize that it's important to give space for uh, for everyone in their opinions, as long as it's respectful and it's not, you know, what I mean, uh, overly imposing on somebody else. Right, right. Hey, I still got my Kevin Durant sneakers, so next time I'm in Albany, we can go behind Ash and we can play some horse or some pickup. 
Hey, hey, listen, we we may have to do that. We may have to do especially knowing that you stayed active in basketball all of these years. That's right. And, and That's right. I'm talking trash because I'm sure I suck right now. So I'm <laughs> talking trash. I'm sure. I'm sure I suck. Let me see. Um, uh, I got uh, three more questions for you. I'll let you go because I know you're a very busy man and you just did 24 hours last night. So I don't want to keep you up. Um, thinking of your younger self, thinking of the younger Kenny, uh, what is something that you now know about yourself as an adult? You know what I mean? As a professional, uh, thinking, thinking back to the younger Kenny, what is something you wish someone would have told the younger version of Kenny? Um, probably never don't harbor on to the sensation that failure gives you. I would say a lot of times when people endure failure, it can really bring you down and sort of discourage you. And there's definitely times where a younger Kenny experienced failure and it really either changed his view of people or situations. Um, and that's not necessarily the way life works. I've realized failure just means that that journey or that door wasn't meant for the path that your life is taking you on. Um, and since experiencing so many failures in my life, I've been able to experience so many successful moments. Um, and it's just sort of shifting the direction that you're thinking in, um, shifting your attitude about, um, you know, maybe I thought I was going in this direction, but that wasn't meant for me but maybe this direction is what I'm more, you know, meant for. And the more you experience failure, I think the more comfortable you get with understanding what your strengths are. Um, and then over time you can use the, you know, the time that you have left over to work on your weaknesses or work on the things that you're not as strong as. Um, so like I said, I'm not good at social media, but I'm trying to get better at it. I'm not good at, you know, communicating medical knowledge to um, your average person, but I'm getting better at it. So finding ways that, you know, you can improve yourself instead of looking at failures as, you know, bringing you down and discouraging you, I think is probably one of the greatest things I've learned from growing up. Okay. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Let me see. Uh, uh, two more questions for you. Uh, this, uh, this is my wild card. Through all of the capital district area, Albany, Troy, Schenectady, you know what I mean? Bethlehem, Rensselaer, you name it, uh, this, is, this applies to, it's applicable to all of them. What is your favorite place to visit in the Capital District area and why? Hmm. You know what, I'm, this is, I'm gonna say driving by my grandparents' house um, in Albany. So they lived right off of Whitehall. Technically their address was Whitehall, um, but they lived in like this little corner house um, and that's like where I grew up as like a kid. Um, I went to the elementary school right down the road from there. I remember my grandpa would walk down the road, pick me up, walk me back to his house. I still have memories of like a kiddie pool in the backyard with an apple tree and all my cousins kind of playing around the backyard. Um, and driving by that house always brings me down memory lane, kind of rem reminds me of where I came from. Um, and has really the most nostalgic pull, I would say, in my life. Um, also because a lot of, basically all my aunts and uncles from my mom's side lived within blocks of my grandparents' house. So you keep driving down the street, my parents live on Swartzen. Um, just up the road is where my other cousins live. Down the road from my grandparents is where my other cousins live. Um, so that was just like our family sort of grid, you know, right in that Whitehall area. I love it, I love it. Okay, okay, all right. Um, and let me see my final question for you. We're going to end uh, today's conversation on this one. Uh, Dr. John, what about your life's path are you most proud of? I would say probably just being able to make people around me proud to call me their friends or their family member. Um, I just feel very loved by the people in my life. Um, and I feel like you have to be a good person. You have to like reflect love to others to receive love. Um, and so that I feel like is probably one of the biggest things I'm proud of. I have a wife who really cares about me. 
My parents tell me they're proud of me all the time. I just had an awesome vacation with my siblings and their significant others. At the tail end of that was a med school reunion for one of my best friends who got married out in California. Um, so I just have really good, good people in my life um, who support me, show me love. And I think it's just a reflection of the love that I show them, the support that I show them. Um, so that's something I'm really proud of. Uh, that is uh, that is a uh, that is something you should be absolutely proud of. I am happy that you get to experience it because having support uh, is extremely important. Having friends are extremely uh, important, and having a a healthy family nu uh, nucleus is extremely important. And I am happy uh, uh, each of those uh, targets are being hit and met for you. Um, uh, Kenny, I wish you continued success through everything that you're doing. Um, I do not want to play a game of basketball with you. Just realize I'm lying. So keep it's on. It's on now. Wherever they are. It's yeah. on now. <laughs> you know, but you know, I, I got a competitive nature about me. I don't want no parts of it. When you said that <laughs> more than schooling, I said, no, this does not <laughs> at all. So. No, I don't want no parts of you at all. Uh, I, I don't want to have to damage one of my knees and then end up needing anesthesiology, uh, uh, anesthesia uh, uh, for my knee. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need anything. Uh, but I really just want to say thank you. Uh, this podcast, this uh, this platform is is very important to me because it gives me a chance to highlight individuals just like yourself, unsung heroes that a lot of people don't know, uh, never get a chance to hear of. Uh, but are doing some of the most significant work and really deserve to be spotlighted. So thank you for giving me your time today. Thank you for allowing me to, to, to dive into part of your story. And thank you for sharing with the back community. Thank you so much for having me, Tyrell. This has been awesome. Um, this is, I'm going to consider this a milestone in my career, just being able to be on your podcast and talk <laughs> to you and come full circle. Um, I've been looking forward to this for weeks and I'll never forget this experience, man. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Oh man. Thank you very much. And until next time, and I'm now I'm going to be running from you from the basketball court too. So whatever, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to run at any invitation. <laughs> uh, but until next time, uh, uh, the back community, uh, we have had the privilege and honor of having my friend, uh, Dr. Kenneth, uh, John on, uh, keywords with Kenny. You can follow him on Instagram. I follow him. Uh, actually, if you click on uh, uh, any of the links on social media, his uh, his contact will be right there because uh, he does a very great job of educating us on uh, common uh, jargon and work that he uh, works with on a day-to-day -day basis. So thank you again. And without further ado, I bid you adieu. Uh, talk to you next thank time. You. Thank you, Tyrell. Peace. Catch you later.